0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer
1: who six months ago walked away.
0: When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Back
1: on his he wants price and delivery. And if we're over he tells me this business to lose This guy singing
0: that old, don't know value. Welcome everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast where we talk about all the important things that happen at your customer and in your company before you even start measuring anything on your top line. Today, I am thrilled to have Jeb Blount, who is uh, one of the most prolific authors in the sales performance space, uh, one of the most prolific content writers. Uh, I've got his book right here, Sales EQ, but today we are talking about his new book, available um, probably about the time this thing goes live, Selling the Price Increase. Jeb, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Mark. you know, what a timely book. I mean, you had to be rushing to, to get this thing out at exactly the right time. Or was this really lucky timing you'd started working through this before?
1: I'd love to say that I'd, I was it was it was lucky timing and I'd already started working on it. That would make me, you know, like, a, like I had ESP. But what was hap- what happened really is back in the fall, we were getting a lot of questions from our sales training classes. We typically start a class off and ask, what are your biggest challenges? And we just noticed that there were a flood of, of challenges that were coming in from the salespeople and sales leaders that were in our classes, and they were all about price increases. Yeah, and we got several customers coming to us and asking us if we could ramp up price increase training, which we provide, and we've been teaching, you know, selling price increases for over 10 years because even though we're in an unprecedented time of, you know, of I say unprecedented since the 1970s, most people who are selling a day weren't alive when this happened, but where we've got a lot of inflation. So customer you know, salespeople are under a lot of pressure. Salespeople have always had to go get price increases. Account managers have always had to go get price increases. So we've always been training this but we were getting an explosion of requests so right before christmas this the weekend before christmas i thought to myself jeb why not write another book and and so I, i i called my publisher in new york and said i've got this great idea to write a book called selling the price increase they said let's go and we started writing and we put together. Um, here's a copy of the book. Here, I've just got the. I just got this in on Friday. The uh, the most comprehensive book on B two B price increases ever. And yeah. the the whole premise of the book is how do you get the price increase without losing your orders or your customer? Because yeah. it doesn't do you any good to get the price increase if you, the customer walks out the door in the process. Yeah. So, uh, so and and really nothing else is, is on the market. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the book was mark i did a like a like a deep search on show me what's out there on price increases for sales professionals there's a lot of books out there for business owners for price optimization for you know on the web if you're doing e-commerce how to get your pricing right but there's really nothing for sales professionals who are typically on the front line of these price increases so i wrote
0: selling the price increase that's great you know i'm i'm a value pricing guy uh, so my whole thing is be able to sell so much value that the price is um, almost an afterthought. The price becomes a non-factor. But we are living in some interesting times. Uh, I, in my it, 10 years ago, or, you know, for 10 years, I've been saying, you know, your, your costs are none of your customer's business. And if you doubt this, tell a purchasing agent, my costs went up, so I need a price increase. And, I, and put a stopwatch on the number of seconds it takes them to say, your costs are none of my business. Um, the times are such that that's not really as true anymore. Even purchasing agents who are trained to grind you on price know that this kind of conversation is almost an inevitability. That doesn't make it fun. That doesn't make it easy. uh, But the times have at least paved the way for salespeople to be less uncomfortable having that conversation.
1: You would think, but salespeople are very uncomfortable having that conversation. Salespeople are really good at discounting, and they're really good at making their customers happy. So they're that's what they get paid to do. And But when you say, say to the salesperson, go get a price increase, salespeople have a tendency to balk. And evidence of this is with my clients who sell a product uh, or a service, and they're the only choice that their customer has because – because of the supply chain issues, there are no places else for their customer to go, and those salespeople, they they, they twist themselves up in knots, thinking that the customer is going to leave them because they're giving them a price increase. Whether it's a purchasing agent or whether it's a you know a business owner or a CEO or you know midline manager, they're worried that the customer is going to leave them. When I ask the question, okay, so you raise your price, what is your customer's other choice? And they gain awareness that the customer's not going anywhere. They start thinking, okay, well, maybe I could do this. But they're, they're still nervous because if you think about anything, like just your conversation with the price, the purchasing manager, I go talk to procurement and tell them that my costs have gone up. I need to raise their prices. And the, and the procurement goes, that's not my problem. That's your problem. That's called conflict. And salespeople don't like conflict. They, they, for the most part, we would prefer not, not to have any conflict and not to have any rejection, not to have any objections, which, by the way, when you talk about selling value is the reason why so many salespeople go right to price because price is the least – our path of least resistance to a commission check. If I sell value, there's probably going to be some conflict as I'm helping you understand what value really means. So I think that the 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 thing for – you know, for salespeople, even in this in this marketplaces, we have a tendency to have these deep seated fears about approaching our customers with price increases. And,
0: and we have to get past those fears first. Yeah, man, I I think that's super important, Jeb. You know, I, I I wrote an article once where you know, somebody was talking about price increases, and somebody said, "Well, just put on your game face and and um, gird your loins and 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 do that." And and you know, my article was on having a game face. Is you know, and and having the courage to do it is something. It's not nothing, but if you do it without understanding your customer's value, it it's false bravado, almost to the point of being foolhardy. If you do understand your customer's value, then that game face actually becomes something easy to put on. So um, I'm 100% with you on that conflict in salespeople trying to figure out, how can I feel good? How can I do this with a straight face? And you actually talk about that in selling the price increase. So tell us a little bit about preparing salespeople for having that conversation, that internal conversation of, of the salesperson.
1: Well, I feel bad now that I didn't I didn't include Gerd your loins. <laughs> I, <love> that. <laughs> I should have had that in the uh, in the book, Gerd your loins. I, I th- a couple of things that you just said there, right? One is understanding value. So in the book itself, we focus a great deal on value and, and building value bridges. And so when you think about approaching customers with price increases, there's really th- three situations that you're going to find yourself in. One of them is a non-negotiable situation where you're defending a price increase. In those situations, the company as a whole, has made a decision that they're going to execute a broad-based price increase. and and in, in when you're defending that, in some cases, that means that the customer is going to get notice of the price increase and then they're going to call you. And when they yeah. call you, they're probably not going to be happy. So, You have to, in that situation, because it's not a negotiable price increase, you've got to defend and hold the price increase without losing the customer. So you've got to explain the value, what the customer is getting for this. In the second situation, you may have to defend the price increase, but you can give some exceptions for your larger customers. And then you've got negotiable price increases that that typically come in two flavors, low risk, so you've got a customer who sees great value in working with you, you've got good relationships, maybe they don't have a whole lot of alternatives of doing business with you. So in those cases, you're presenting value to the customer and there's your large, large accounts where you've got a lot at risk they 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 may have a lot of alternatives. You're dealing with procurement people who are professional buyers who know how to play this game. And in those cases, you have to build a business case. In other words, you have to you have to go in and propose value. I mean, if the, everything that you talk about, Mark, in your world is wrapped up in that, I've got to be able to go in and explain to them why I deserve this price increase and what's happening in their world. And if we think about price increases as a whole, there are like three things that will contribute to a person just accepting the price increase. And that's what we really want, right? We want them to accept the price increase without resistance and without resentment. And nobody wants a price increase. No, no customer ever called you up, Mark, and said, Mark, you know what? Dude, I am due for a price increase. Can you just, just, just stick it to me? Nobody ever says that. So they don't want a price increase. But number one is if you are delivering value, they're much more likely to accept the price increase. So if they see the value in what they're working with, they're, they're, they'll say, yeah. Number two is that if um, if they feel like um, the price increase is small relative to what they're paying as a whole. So in incremental price increases, they're much more likely to, to, to stick with it. And in and finally, if if they understand you know, the basis of the price increase, so why is this happening? So if there's a if there's a trade for them and it makes sense to them, then they're willing to pay more to get more. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Right. So but if we start thinking about salespeople, there's probably people listening right now to your podcast who are thinking, well, that's great, Jeb, but most of my price increases, they're paying more for the same stuff because my prices went up. And in that situation, especially now. You have to be able to explain economic fairness. Now, economic fairness isn't walking into the procurement group and saying, hey, my cost went up. Because you're right. They'll tell you, that's not my problem. That's your problem. You need to go figure it out. But it is being able to walk them through, these are the things that you expect of me. You expect that I deliver such value to you, you expect my service levels to be at this level, you expect my quality to be at this level, you expect me to show up at a moment's notice or to provide you with, you know, one day shipping or whatever the case may be. And because my costs have gone up, this is putting a massive pressure on my organization's ability to do do these things for you. And it's not fair that we're in a situation where our margins have dropped to razor thin margins based on where we were before, and I need some help. So in some cases, what you're doing is you're, you're playing into the, the, the natural human sense of fairness, but you have to explain it in a way that works. And typically you're weaving in a, you know, a continue quality, continue service, or a maintain quality, maintain service narrative. That's different, by the way, than, um, say, a past value narrative, which would be, Mark, we've done all of these things for you. We've accomplished these things, and I need a price increase, and I deserve a price increase. I've earned the price increase because I've done those things. That's a typical narrative that you're going to use, say, at a contract renewal or when you are optimizing your prices so as much as we want to say that we should always go sell at the highest price at the highest value there are situations where every business owner every company has brought on a customer at a lower price because you wanted to acquire the customer believing in your heart that one day i'll be able to raise my prices because i'll deliver a great job for them so a past value narrative would help you with that the flip side of that is, and this is important, I think, for a lot of companies right now in this particular environment. Yes, we are in an inflationary environment. Yes, we're in a situation where supply chains have created a, like, a case study in supply and demand economics. Uh, but in some cases, we want to say, if we raise this price, this is what you're going to get. So it's a future value narrative so and this is what gets people to buy in so if we say they buy in if they feel like they're getting a good price or i mean a good value so you're doing a good job you've earned it they buy in if they see that there's something in it for them to pay a higher price and they buy in if the if the price increases incremental relative what the, to what they're paying then in all those cases you're going to have a better better chance of getting them to buy the price increase without leaving you but you have to explain it from a value standpoint and i and i love your message and i think you're like you're just dead on in everything that you say but if you don't make that bridge or don't make that connection even when it's difficult right where i'm not you're paying the same for what you were getting before but i deserve this because it's not fair for me to be in a situation where i can no longer service you If you can explain it in human terms, it's a lot easier for your stakeholders to buy in, even though they still
0: won't be happy. Yeah, you know, um, value only exists in your customer's mind. And Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as pricing power in the long run. It's only pricing permission. And you only get pricing permission when there's some value between your customer's ears, period. So all of these conversations, and depending on the context, you've got to make them believe that that price increase is worth it. Now, you've talked about uh, a couple of basic messaging strategies that make that more effective. And, and you talk about that in your book. Um, are those kind of what you've covered already? Or is there a specific, you know, like a messaging, uh, general messaging, price increase messaging format that you like to teach? Well, we, we use, we, we teach eight, eight basic price increase
1: narratives, or, you know, these are, these are narratives that help you sell price increases. So it would be value narratives and give you some situations for those narratives. And then there are two forms of messaging it. One is a because statement. So a price increase because statement, simply a very succinct narrative in an assumptive format so you're like you said i'm girding my gorns my loins i think but i'm i'm walking in and i'm assuming that you're going to say yes to me and so i'm i'm basically saying mark the price on this is going up this much because given the narrative because we're adding in these three different features for you because our customers have asked for those and the price increase is going to take effect next month shut up right so that's a because statement versus A business case, which is more of a value bridge in which I might get my calculator out and do the math so I give an example in the book, which is a true example of a staffing company. Where labor rates are you know going through the roof, the the, the manufacturer that they work with with temporary staffing is having a difficult time hiring people. The company goes to the, 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 the hiring managers and say, to say, you've got to increase your hourly rate by above more than $3 an hour than you're paying now. They balk and say, you're out of your mind. We can't pay any more than that. It's going to break us. And to, to, to build the case, the, the, the account executive here gets, gets her calculator out and sits down and says, Let me, let's walk through what's happening right now. You've got three lines that are down, and those lines are down almost every single day. And here's what it costs you every single day when those lines are down do the math here's what how many people we need to put on those lines in order to make this happen by raising your rate by three dollars and 25 cents an hour it's going to cost you an additional ninety dollars per hour per line to run right now you're losing nine hundred dollars an hour every every hour that those lines are down so if you think about it, the differential is that you're going to be gaining $810 an hour in revenue by having the lines active when you separate out the, the cost of, the, of, of adding those people. And then she was able to successfully sell that rate increase because she was able to do the math. Yeah. On the surface, like you said, it's in their head. All they can see is, what am I paying per hour? They just see the
0: unit price. Customer, She's able to yeah. show
1: them the outcome. Yeah, right? so that's a yeah, that's a business case.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right, and that's one of those cases of the only old the all too common cases where the math is really straightforward, but customers won't do it without your guidance. Yes, and a simple a simple conversation. It's not confrontational. It's it's being that expert in their business to help them walk through their costs and their business in in a way that they don't. It's not in a way that they wouldn't, and it's not in a way that they can't. It's in a way that they don't, unless you force them to take the time, the 10 yes. seconds, the 10 seconds, it takes them to do that. Um, and, you know, telling a salespeople that this is all we're doing, we're helping them do something that they just wouldn't do by themselves. They're too busy with other stuff to think through this $900 an hour. They've got yeah, to, right. They got too many other. Yeah, it's,
1: sol- it's solving a problem. Yeah. And and so there's you know, there's there, there, there it's not like there's a single situ- situation. In some cases, let's say you sell a software as a service program and you're raising the per seat cost by 20 percent across an enterprise and you don't have a choice. The company's doing it, whether you like it or not. And that happens in those cases as a salesperson. What you've got to go in is resell the current value. What are you getting for this? against the differential in cost because it doesn't do you any good if you, if you do a per seat across the board increase and the company says, hmm, let's peel back the onion. How many of these are we not using, which typically happens. I mean, a small business owner, when my, when my SaaS companies raise my rates, what I typically do is I get into the weeds and I start looking for who's not using it and I reduce the number of seats so that the the what happens basically is that the price for me the cost for me stays the same because i get back to where i was before but if you're doing a good job as an account manager and you're delivering value along the way then you're already paying attention to unused seats And you're working with your customer and your customer success team to make sure that they're getting value before you go in with the price increase. So one of the the key parts of the book is talking about the thing, the mistakes that people make before they go out with a price increase, because we don't set the stage or we don't earn it or we have account managers who are hands off and they're not working with their customers and they're not adding value along the way. If we know that customers will accept a price increase when they feel like they're getting value, this this is not me saying this. This is science. This is I get the the citations are in the book. This is you know, these are studies about what causes a human being to say, I'm okay with the price increase. If we get that, then we understand that the price increase happens way before you go in and approach them with the price increase. You've got to go in and start doing some work. Now that doesn't mean in in some cases that, you know, you've got, you've got a year to get the price increase, your company's going to you and saying, now I need a price increase now, but if you're an account manager and you haven't called your customer in six months, maybe before you approach them with a price increase, you go in and meet with them, do an account review and solve a couple of problems and then come back and bring the price increase to them. So we have to be thinking, uh, you know, holistically about price increases and think, what are we doing? to both message the price increase the right way with the right customer. Sometimes we're defending, sometimes we're presenting. In other words, we're assuming they're going to accept the price increase and we're using a because statement. Sometimes we're building a business case and doing the math for them because we need to be able to do that. Um, And then we have to think ahead of that. What are we doing to set the stage so that we can be more successful? One way of looking at this, Mark, is if you think about sales as a whole, from prospecting, to selling, to closing, to negotiating, to dealing with objections, we teach sales as a system and a process. That doesn't mean that everybody always adopts the process because we know that they don't, but we know that sales essentially is a, is a, is a methodical process for moving people from where they are, help, helping them see value, and then in getting, just, getting them to pay us for value. If we look at price increase initiatives across the board, that is not how they're taught. We go to salespeople and say, "Go sell. Here's the price increase. Go get it." And we don't think about the same thing. We're selling the price increase. We're getting people who do not want a price increase to accept it. Yeah. So we have to we have to look at it in the same way as a system and think end to end, from the beginning to the end. What am I doing to to make sure that I get these price increases in without losing the customer orders? Because they matter.
0: I mean, they're, they're a big deal for your organization. Yeah, Jeb, I mean, you, when you use the word holistic, I, you know, that's that's my whole book is creating an entire organization, not a sales organization, an entire organization that is focused around the entire flywheel of the customer journey, right? Uh, where sales, we, we often think of sales being one half of the infinity loop, right? From prospect to close, but then there's adoption, install, get great at using, find out how, what it is, realize the value, figure out what else I want to do with it for, start asking questions of my vendor. What else can I do with you? And that doesn't happen in the sales silo or any of the silos that have sales in their title. Uh, You you mentioned customer success, but there's engineering, there's customer success, there's in SaaS, there's project management, account management, marketing, sales support, there's a million uh, other organizations. And when you're trying to sell a price increase, man, you better have a holistic strategy that helped everybody know how they participate, delivering value, understand, be able to draw a straight line as a CEO, draw a straight line between your role over there sweeping floors and my customer's value. Well, everything that
1: you said is right on the money. And here's why. If we, if we get out of a, oh my God, we're in an inflationary period and we've got to raise our rates because our costs are going up supply chain. If we just forget about all that and we just go to a normal period of time, what you just explained is how we drop more profit to the bottom line. Because when the whole system is working from creating familiarity all the way to renewal, when we start getting on the back end of that, and we start thinking about account expansion. So if I bring in an account, what I want to do is expand the relationship that I have with them. So it's land, expand, and retain. So I want to expand the relationship. If I'm doing that, I'm typically going to retain them. If I'm delivering value, I'm going to retain them over time. But part of that expansion sale is increasing prices. When you increase prices, you increase both your top line, so you increase your revenue, but you also drop th- through to the bottom line, and this is important for that back side of that team. Everything that you just talked about, the entire system. And if you're a, if you're an executive or a business owner, this is what's important to pay attention to. When you drop through one percent, or you take one, I would get a one percent price increase, and you drop it through to the bottom line, you get an eleven point one percent hit to your operating profit. And that's, that's important because that's the value of your organization. You get a 1% increase in new sales. That's typically going to result in a 3% hit to your operating profit. And that depends on what your cost of sales is. So if you've got a high cost of sales, it could be negative. But typically, you're going to be about 3%. So essentially, what you're, what we, what we, if we do the math, you get a 400% higher impact to profit with a price increase than you do with a new sale. You have to do both if you're only getting price increases you're probably going to fall apart as a business but if you're able to get the new sale in and then the entire system is working and delivering value so that people are happy and you start dropping through a price increase, even small incremental price increases at contract renewal, um, when you've earned it, when the customer asks you to do more things, or in my in my case, in my business, because we're a training company, and you know, we're working with the customer, and the customer says, "Hey, can you can you help us with this problem or this division?" That's an opportunity for us to come in at a little bit a higher rate um, that we deserve that we've earned. So that, then we can bring the entire you know the entire rate you know rate schedule along with us all of a sudden now the, the account becomes more profitable Yeah, because in a lot of cases your sellers are good at discounting i mean we can talk about it all day long but they're they're going to sell at the lowest price that they possibly can to get the deal and get the commission check but I had a CEO one time, you know I was she was amazing, but she um was in a meeting where the operations people were you know yelling at the salespeople because they were selling at too low prices. And she just like matter of factly said, looked at the uh, the operations team and said, it's their job to get the deal in the door. It's your job to figure out how to make profit out of it. So so if we think about price increases in that in that format, The salespeople and the account managers are probably going to be responsible for getting the price increases, not the engineers. But if the engineers have done such a good job of, of integrating you into that customer's workflows, that it's almost impossible for them to leave you, or if the prospect of leaving you requires them to begin unwinding things, but the salesperson now has status quo on their side then the salesperson is in a much po- more powerful position to sell the price increase, which increases more profit, which gives the company more resources to add more value for the customer and create this virtuous um, cycle that allows the company to thrive and increase its value as a whole on the marketplace.
0: Yeah, that's that's such a, you know, such a powerful concept. And I don't want to repeat it for everybody, right? When you change your price on a deal, a given opportunity, your costs to fulfill that piece of business didn't change. So that difference in price up or down is a, is a difference in one for $1, You right? Every discount dollar is a profit dollar. Discounting dollars are profit dollars. A price increase dollar is a profit dollar in the short term because your costs didn't change. So as you said, pricing changes are the most powerful lever to be able to make your business more profitable, and you you're just about you, I just about threw up a little bit in the back of my mouth when I heard that story of a salesperson that said, you know, it's the company's job to make money at the price I sold. Um, you know, my whole, our whole reason for being is to help salespeople sell so well that they earn the prices that the entire rest of the company is working so hard to deserve, and. Um, I, the other conversation I have is with a sales leader who says I, you know, who, who whines I don't have a seat at the big boy's table people around this company don't respect me. And I remind them, do you know, you're the only department in the entire company that doesn't care about how profitable the company is?
1: Well, that's true. And it's one of the reasons why early on, I remember like one of the very first, you know, price increases. I, this is in the mid nineties. And, you know, I'm a young salesperson. I'm just getting started in my career. My boss walks in. At the time, we're talking about green bars. Okay. So we're talking about like, you know, these, for the people who are millennials, listen, you won't know what the green bars, but there's a big old, you know, pieces of paper that were printed out on a dot, dot matrix printer. And it was a thick list of our accounts. And he said, like, I need a 6% net increase on these accounts. I need you to know, I need to know by Friday how you plan to get it. That I was ill. Like I was sick. I mean, I, I, I came back at every excuse you can possibly imagine. There's no way I can get this. I poured over the list. And every time I would look at a customer, I go, oh, I can't get it from them. I can't get it from them. I can't get it from them. It was the conflict that I felt right. I, and, but more than anything, I almost quit my job over it, by the way, because it, it was such an emotional roller coaster. All the salespeople were mad. We were all angry over it because I felt like I was doing something to my customer not doing something for my company. And that's natural because the company didn't explain it. They didn't tell me, "Hey, this is why we're doing it." They just said, "Go get the 6% price increase." I agonized over it, made a lot of mistakes, showed up at the last minute in a lot of cases because I was procrastinating. But eventually, you know, as I as I progressed in business and started running divisions of the company and and started having my own P&L, you know, I got a much better understanding of the impact that a price increase has on the health of the organization from being able to deliver training benefits, hiring more people, preventing laying people off, or, you know, or shutting divisions down, all of that matters, but Funding, I didn't understand. Yeah, um, yeah. Funding innovation, right? So as a sales, yeah, people, so we,
0: as, as a salespeople, we want to be able to sell the most innovative product that doesn't come. That's not, a you, poof gotta, a miracle, you gotta pay right? for it. That stuff yeah. doesn't happen. Poof a miracle occurs. Here's a new feature. So I think it's, I think it's important.
1: You know, there's a whole, the the last chapter in the book or the last section in the book, like the last five chapters, all about leadership. So it's really focused on what leaders need to do to set their salespeople up for success. So coaching price increases, uh, there's, there's pro tips, leadership tips all throughout the book, but it's, for example, you know, most companies, and this is a, this is, you have to really think about this, but most organizations don't necessarily have, a direct connection between the price increase and the salesperson's compensation data tells us that if you, if if the salesperson gets compensated for the price increase, and this could happen with account managers, where your bonus is based on the growth of your account portfolio, price increases can play a role in that, uh, that there's a higher that salespeople are going to be able to, to get more of a price increase in those situations. So they'll, they'll perform better in price increase situations when there's a direct connection. However, you also have to think uh, as a leader and think about the unintended consequences. If I pay you to get price increases, what 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 can happen outside of good management or you know good systems is the salespeople will just add the price increase onto their customer without telling the customer. So they get the price increases, but you end up losing a lot of customers or creating a lot of you know bad customer experience because of that. So. There's a lot of things that management and leadership needs to think about in terms of what they're doing to drive, you know, these price increases, and, 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 and helping their their salespeople understand that price increases are a fact of life, and then teaching their salespeople how to deal with these price increase conversations. I, I'll give you an example of a SaaS client that we. Uh, worked with, we did a, um, it was sort of a kind of a, a study that we did with them prior to a pilot we did prior to a larger training. They implemented a non-negotiable price increase, but allowed their salespeople to make some exceptions when customers were ex- were exceptionally furious. So the customer's totally angry, they're totally pissed off. The salespeople were, would be allowed to, with the manager's blessing, say, okay, we're not going to do this price increase to this customer. And and so they implemented with a small group of salespeople. If there's 30 or so salespeople in this group, these the the calls were typically coming inbound. So the the, the customer would either call, or come in through chat, or send an email and say, "I'm not paying this. What yeah. are you doing? You know this this stinks. I'm quitting. Whatever the case may be." And we looked at the overall ability of the the uh, the salespeople to hold the price increase. And what they found was that the salespeople who, when the customer came in and said, I got a problem, who picked up the phone and called the customer and had a human-to-human conversation, 96% retention of the price increase. The salespeople who used email, so when the price increase come in, they would email the customer back less than 70%. So... What that taught us was that the leadership team right, had a played a role in teaching the salespeople and holding them accountable for how they were communicating with their customers. Because left of their own devices, there were a lot of salespeople who would just hide from it, and then it would cause them to lose customers and lose the price increase.
0: Yeah, so I've got somebody who might be jumping in. I wanna have you tell me, I'm gonna, I'll base together the end of this. What a great conversation, Jeb. Tell us how we can get a hold of you. Uh, make sure that we get that uh, before we we sign off.
1: Yeah, the, the the book is selling the price increase. Here's a copy of the cover right here, uh, and you can pick it up anywhere. So it'll be anywhere books are sold: Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, 800 CEO, Read, and uh, I just finished the audio book, So The audio book will be out soon. An ebook, and and it'll be it'll cascade throughout the globe. Uh, and uh, so so go grab this uh, selling the price increase. Highly recommended
0: reading, everybody. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you the value only exists in your customer's head, which means that sales is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks, and have a high-value day. And thanks, Jeb.
1: Thank you. These pots
0: in a week. Maybe his current
1: supplier screwed things up. Put him up a creek. And I don't know why he wants 4,000 of our gold-plated thingamabobs with the custom unobtainium mojo option
0: what do you mean the custom unobtainium mojo option cost us more than 20 bucks by itself are you sure he knows that then why'd you tell me 20 bucks well it ain't easy cause value's in your buyer's brain if you're selling on only your features you're gonna drive both of you insane and if you ignore your customers outcomes you're bound to be
1: your because you'll be singing those old don't know value blue. this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business
0: podcasts visit c-suite radio.com